And welcome, everybody, to episode 60 of the Progression to the Mean podcast. I am your host, Sean Moran. It is the Tuesday after Memorial Day weekend, and I am joined by Aiden Haller and Keegan Thompson. Keegan, rumor on the street, you've had the house to yourself for almost a week. How many uh, best ball drafts have you done, Keegan? Is it, has it been an irresponsible oh. amount? How many? No, not an irresponsible amount. I did rip five in one day. Uh, <laughs> I, I like took a break because I know that we're uh, we're gonna do sneak peek for the listeners. We're drafting tonight on a YouTube only video where we will draft our own best ball mania four team. But I took a break. I did five in one day though, having the the house to myself. That that felt a little aggressive. I was getting my ass kicked in the drafts by the end of the day. So and Aiden, I heard you were getting your ass kicked on the golf course, or was that just pure pure nonsense was it was the other way around yeah i say it's true you know you know the like the game's coming together but uh no the golf course wins more rounds than not these days but um we're having fun out there we're drinking beers making good memories it's uh it's a good time out there making memories we're 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 around town a lot of coors lattes is that the is that the truth or uh the drink of choice this week was white claw actually we, we we went to the seltzers the sun was out uh we want seltzers, and yeah, we, uh, yeah, we we ripped those, uh, shot a hundred plus, and uh, yeah, and then did it again the next day. So yeah, good Memorial Day weekend. That is, that sounds like a hell of a weekend. I spent my Memorial Day weekend in Reno, Nevada. That is, uh, that is a real thing. Uh, we were picking up Sutro, my my not my puppy, but my dog that we had to board while Hannah and I were were out of the country. Turns out Reno, Nevada legalized sports betting, uh, but for some reason they've iced out underdog from Reno, Nevada, from just Nevada in general, because all the big casinos own all the gambling. But Truckee, California is only 30 minutes away from Reno. So No, you didn't. By the grace of God, um, Hannah was down to get breakfast in Truckee, go for a nice little drive. Uh, to a coffee shop, and yeah, I got I got a couple of uh, best ball drafts. breakfast, you're a madman. Did Hannah know what was taking place on your phone while grabbing a nice uh, cup of coffee? What's crazy is she she did. She actually did. So I was like, hey, why don't we go to Truckee? Like, I got to do something. She's like, what do you mean you got to do something? I was like, I, I got to work. I just, I had to, I got to hammer something out. And she's like, what? No, like, what do you mean you have to hammer something out? And I'm like, uh, I would like to to do some fantasy football stuff in Truckee. And luckily, there isn't much to do in Reno. And I did offer to drive there and back, buy breakfast, and buy coffee. And the weather was really nice, and we sat outside. So it was kind of a perfect storm. But in pure degen mode, I knew I was only going to get one draft in. So I, I did two drafts at once. So I was drafting two teams at the same time. Lad. And I knew the poodle was going to close. The The poodle was going so, to close. I was sorry, point. babe. I was like, sorry, babe. The, the poodle's going to no, close. No, no, you don't get I, it. I, it's I, poodle I too, and it's, it's almost closed. I have to get it in. The window of opportunity was so slim, and you absolutely maximized it. And I respect you for that. She was a little annoyed by like the 14th, 15th round where it was like, hey, we're we're packing up shop here, pal. It's like I'm getting in the car and I'm like 16th round and I'm about to start driving and I'm like Dawson Knox, I guess. I don't even know what's going on here. Uh, but uh, hey, it's you sure you don't have teams. to go to the bathroom before we head back? You know, <laughs> fast, 30 minutes. Yeah, so that that was real. That was reality. Um, but it was it was a good time. Uh, I can't. I you know Reno gets a bad rap. 
mainly for me, I used to kind of just dunk on Reno for no reason. It's prettier than I thought it was, and it's it wasn't fine. the worst place. It wasn't fine. the worst place. Fine's a good it's word fine. for Reno, yeah. It's, it's a fine little city out there, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we had some fun college memories out in Reno. Yeah. Uh, but um, not, nonetheless, we are here. It is the Tuesday after Memorial Day weekend. It is the second week of OTAs. It's not training camps yet. We're, we're kind of dealing with the scraps. We haven't gotten the main course yet. Um, but a lot's already happened since the NFL calendar flipped. The biggest news being that DeAndre Hopkins, who was supposed to be traded this offseason supposed to be traded before the draft, who ended up on the Cardinals. There was rumors that he would stay on the Cardinals for the whole entire season. DeAndre Hopkins has been released uh, from Arizona. He is now a free agent. There are a lot of conflicting reports that he's going to go ring chasing. He's going to secure the bag. There's a lot going on here, and we don't really know where he's going to land, and it feels like he might take his time before he makes that decision. But come on. We need to speculate on where he's going to land and, and what's going to be the best fantasy-friendly place for DeAndre Hopkins to land. So, guys, I'm curious. Where do you think DeAndre Hopkins is playing in 2023? I am going with the Buffalo Bills. Um, I know it's one of the two you know, more rumored spots that we keep seeing with him. Um, obviously, the Bills already have Stephon Diggs. You know, they've got their wide receiver one. Just brought in Kincaid. You've got Dawson Knox. You've got some nice tight end weapons. But outside of Diggs, there's really nothing going on in that wide receiver room to really keep defensive coordinators up at night. Uh, I think pairing him with Stephon Diggs with some of those tight ends and other wide receivers really gives that Bills a different dynamic that they've been lacking over Josh Allen's time in Buffalo. So I'm going with the Bills probably going to be a one-year deal i don't see how anyone's going to give him more than that right now i think he kind of needs to reset his market but a one-year deal to buffalo bills i don't know that seems enticing in terms of the money he can get and the potential to um, get a ring in there keegan are you with aiden you think he lands on the bills i don't actually um, i'm gonna give you guys maybe more of a dark horse but who says no to the lions you know the oh, the Detroit Lions. You're gonna say Jets. No, <laughs> I thought you were gonna say the Jets. No, <laughs> I, I mean I think the Jets could make it work with some quick like releases and moving around of the cap. But that's the other thing. I'm looking at cap space and the Chiefs and Bills, who are seem to be the like projected favorites right now, just from all the talk out there. Like they don't have a lot of cap space for this year, so they all have to do some cap gymnastics to make it work. But a team that could use a wide receiver build like DeAndre Hopkins is the Detroit Lions and they've got about $23 million in cap space right now. Like they don't have to go through hoops or anything like that to make it work with the money. Um, I also think with Jameson Williams sideline for six games for sports betting, you're kind of left with one of our favorites, obviously sun God, and they've got the new rookie tight end, Samuel Florida, but they just don't have that kind of like physical go up and grab it wide receiver that can play on the outside and win contested catches for you right now. They are a little bit slimmer on like the wide receiver room than some of these other teams that like, I, I think the lions are slimmer in their wide receiver room than the bills are, to be honest. Um, so I think that's a good dark horse candidate that I would actually like to see him go to. And I don't think it would have 
a massive fantasy impact, like a negative one on Amon Ross St. Brown. You mean Amon Ross St. Brown wouldn't get <laughs> taken off the field and two wide receivers? Yeah, that's the point of offseason we're in, Sean. We're we're already hearing the the speculation that he'll get removed from wide receiver two sets, but I digress. I mean, that's that's I think the lines make a ton of sense they though. Do. It's I'm just curious how DeAndre Hopkins sees the lines in terms of like because I know like like he listed he, like a handful of things he wants you know you know, like an established QB who likes playing, you know, like you want a defense, you want a stable GM. And I think they have a lot of those things. It's just, does DeAndre Hopkins see the Lions like how a lot of us do as like someone who's really ready to compete now? I think that's maybe the biggest hurdle there. But yeah, the money's there. The targets are there. Like, like you said, I think it's a really good dark horse pick, Keegan. I like the Lions. The Bills make a ton of sense because he's basically like begged the Bills to sign him. He's like, Bills, come and get me. I'd love to play for Josh Allen. Yeah. Who wouldn't, Nuke? Who wouldn't? <laughs> My favorite artist is Drake. I love Drake. Yeah. Okay, okay, cool. That's that's great. Okay, yeah. I just have to go to the Taylor Swift concert. Okay, really original. <laughs> I think uh, realistically the one that makes a ton of sense, both for a football and fantasy perspective, and it's the one that I think Albert Breer came out and said was most likely – is him going to Kansas City? I we we were texting about this uh, over the weekend, and we were talking about some of the worst wide receiver rooms in the NFL. And you would never think it because the Chiefs have Travis Kelsey, and because Patrick Mahomes can just make any receiver good. But you could make the argument that Marquez Valdez Scantling is by far and away the best wide receiver right now on the Chiefs. Like we all love Tony, we're Tony Bros, but I mean, come on, like Tony's a We'll get to it later in the episode, but it, it is yeah, we'll suspect at best. Yeah. Tony's suspect at best. Like, I love Sky more as much as the next guy, but that wasn't that impressive of a rookie season. And Marquez Valdez-Gantling is like the most established receiver in that room. And MVS played well down the stretch, but I think that's more of a product of being in an offense coached by Andy Reid and quarterbacked by Patrick Holmes. And I just think he's such a slam dunk bringing that offense with Travis Kelsey. Sure, they might win in kind of the same... No, I mean, I guess Nook can win outside, win deep. Nook's more of like a, DeAndre Hopkins more of a possession receiver at this point in his career. But I think Kelsey could play well with anybody. And they have Tony and Moore to complement his intermediate game, uh, you know, to take deep shots and spread the floor and have gadget plays, right? So I think just stylistically for fantasy, I think you put him in that juju role and he would thrive. Um, And I think... Overall, for that offense, like Patrick Mahomes wheels up. That's just another reason to be like, Mahomes is going to win MVP again and throw 50 touchdowns. I think it'd just be huge for him. I like the Chiefs. I like the Bills. I like the Lions. But I think the Chiefs just make a ton of sense. Yeah, I just don't know how they make that work with the money. But then again, I'm not a cap guy. Never been a cap guy. Don't think I'll ever be a cap guy. Look at the Saints. The Saints are always like, Minus 40 before the season. and like There's so many ways to manipulate. If he truly wants to go to a contender, he's got to take a pay cut. From what he thinks he should have. Like, who is he going to make more money than point. OBJ? Do you think he gets more money than OBJ? He should. He should. He, he should. should. Will he? He should. Is the question. Because because we'll he see. seems like the Bills and the Chiefs, like, they are, that would be a lot of gymnastics to make him have the money available for what OBJ got. Yep. The, the Bills and the Chiefs are in a good position, though, because they can add void years to the end of their QB's contracts and do the whole cap chicanery and it's easy to do that when you have josh allen and patrick mahomes because they're like you guys aren't going anywhere yeah. like we're, we're good you guys are like 28 we're really happy 
It's like taking out a second mortgage and when you're in a good financial position and you love your wife and you're like, or, you know, your partner, we're in a good spot. I'm not going, I'm not losing my income. Right. You're not going anywhere. Like, let's do it. We double down. It's a little risky, but hey, we, we can take the risk. That's kind of what it would be like for the, the Chiefs to do some cap chicanery and create some room by, you know, adding void years or, you know, kind of playing around with Mahomes' contract to make it happen. So I think eventually it does happen, but you're right, Keegan, I think. Hopkins may have to wait it out a bit, uh, considering that his market isn't as probably hot as he thinks it should be. But look, that was real NFL news, right? <laughs> yep. That's that not the fun. Yeah, yeah, that actually happened. That's not the fun NFL news. Let's get to the fun stuff, Sean. Now we get rumors. The, the fun NFL news is where a uh, fourth-year player who got his fifth-year option decline shows up and he's the best shape of his life. Or this guy who's never passed for more than 4,000 yards in his career is going to have the best passing year of his career, according to, to him, because he has a new OC. We're talking about OTA rumors and buzz. We're talking about best shape of his life season. We're talking about running backs are going to start running slant route seasons. <laughs> it's just pure speculation, and it's some of the best times to go through some of the uh, the headlines that you see on NBC Sports Edge or on Underdog or on Roto Baller. It's the stuff that we love. We eat it up, and it's probably complete nonsense. But because of that, we're going to bring back probably everyone's favorite segment in all of fantasy football discourse. That's what I was hearing. I Word around town. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone's talking about this segment. And that's right, ladies and gentlemen, mostly gentlemen. I would be very surprised if a lady was, was out there <laughs> listening to this, but we appreciate you. That's right, ladies and gentlemen fact or bullshit all right we're gonna start things off hot keegan keegan really took charge of this segment he he split fact or bullshit up from the by the afc and the nfc so i thought that was nice so i'm gonna go one from the afc i'm gonna go one from the nfc okay so i'm gonna we're alternate gonna go, okay. between the two I like so that. for cool so for for people at home uh or driving wherever you're listening to this podcast maybe listening in the shower i don't know i don't know how you get down Here's the deal. I'm going to lay out a headline, and then I'm going to ask a specific question. And two of the smartest people I know, people that can read through anything, are going to say fact or bullshit, and I'll come in and weigh in at the end. Again, people are talking about it, one of the most popular segments in uh, all of fantasy football discourse. So I'm going to start things off hot, okay? This one, this one's a pretty big deal, uh, and, and a lot of tinfoil hat conspiracies are coming out of this. This came out over the weekend. Jimmy Garoppolo's contract with the Las Vegas Raiders has a waiver included. So according to Mike Florio of Pro Football Focus, Jimmy Garoppolo's contract with the Raiders contains an injury clause permitting the franchise to void the deal he signed in March if he can't pass a physical heading in the 2023-2024 campaign. So I don't know if you guys remember, Jimmy Garoppolo breaks his foot against the Miami Dolphins. Rumor had it that he was going to be able to play in the playoffs with the 49ers. Turns out that wasn't true. Jimmy Garoppolo shows up to Las Vegas to sign his contract with the Raiders. All the reporters are there for the news conference. Jimmy Garoppolo leaves the Raiders without a contract. Turns out he failed his physical, and they put this void in his contract. If he can't pass it, he's not playing for the Raiders. So normally this is pretty weird, right? You know? Um, Brian Hoyer is their QB too. This is not ideal this far into the offseason. What makes things even weirder is two days before this news comes out, Brian Windhorse Fingers, if you're out there, Windhorse Fingers, 
What makes this even weirder is that Tom Brady has been announced as a minority owner in the Las Vegas Raiders. If you're having deja vu about Tom Brady becoming a minority leader, minority owner of a team in the NFL, uh, you probably should. He was about to be a minority owner of the Miami Dolphins when he briefly retired for 40 days last offseason. Now, that plan had a caveat that at some point he would come out of retirement and be quarterback for the Dolphins. Fast forward a year, and here we are. Tom Brady, minority owner, Las Vegas Raiders, Jimmy G, injured foot. He might not be a Raider next season. So factor bullshit. Tom Brady will play quarterback for the Las Vegas Raiders in 2023. Aiden, what do you think? I'm going bullshit. Uh, there's, there's a ton of parallels, so I get it. I set you up it. for that. I really just set you up for that. I just I lobbed you. you know, it's like, I get it. Like, especially like McDaniel there. Like, there's so many things to make you think like everything is lined up. But I think at this point, Tom Brady is done playing football. I think he is a happy divorced man enjoying getting younger women and doing whatever it is that you do with millions and millions of dollars down in Florida. So personally, I'm calling bullshit. If he came back, like, would I be all that surprised? Like, not entirely. Like, the dude's a freak. It's like he's absolutely obsessed with football. But I do think at this point in time, Tom Brady is done playing football. Yeah. Keegan, Keegan. You, you hate him. You literally hate his guts. You know, you you legit were you were just like this guy's the worst. He's uh, the we, worst. We did a whole season of you <laughs> hating him on the Buccaneers last year. He is the worst. Is this factor bullshit? It's bullshit. There's no. I just don't think there's any way that he could step in and play after, especially after what we saw last season. It's not like Tom is retiring early with something left in the tank. Like, there's not a lot there. He's scared to get hit. You know, I'm not gonna sit here and act like the Raiders uh, team is something that you want to step in on if you're Tom Brady and put your 45-year-old body on the line for, so I'm calling bullshit. Sean, what do you think? You uh, you teed it up. You laid out some really good points for us. I feel us. like I know where you're going to factor bullshit. <laughs> Are the Raiders and Tom Brady giving you, like, I almost hooked up in, with them in college vibes? Isn't that, isn't that what you're kind of getting here? That's what this reminds me of. They were supposed to be the team. Tom Brady was supposed to be a Raider. Dana White, you know, UFC president and part-time human thumb, was literally telling everybody on a podcast that Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski were coming to the Raiders. Like, it was going to happen, but they chose Derek Carr, right? Um, Derek Carr is gone now. What do we know about Tom Brady and Jimmy G? Tom Brady, the last thing he ever wanted to do was let Jimmy G get his job. It's poetic. Josh McDaniels is the OC. The Raiders desperately need a face of the franchise. They desperately need someone to hold it together. Um, Jimmy G is going to get hurt. Like Brian Hoyer used to be in the Patriots quarterback room too. It's like, come on. They're just begging Tom. Like Tom, come on, get us to seven and 10, eight and nine. Let, let's have a little hope. Let's sell some tickets here. I, I think Tom Brady, I think it's a fact. I think Tom Brady will put on the silver and black this season and play quarterback. It's totally tinfoil hat conspiracy. But sometimes when it's just that obvious and it's staring you in the face, it's just going to happen. So I'm here for it. I like it. First one and we're already split. This is this is the beauty of factor bullshit is we are all very, very informed and passionate about this. Okay, so let's talk about a story that's probably actually going to happen and, and, has a, and has a real impact here on fantasy football. So 
We've talked a lot about how Alexander Madison is one of the best plays right now in all of best ball. Go pick him up. He's going to be the starting running back for the Minnesota Vikings. Dalvin Cook is a post-June 1 candidate cut. It's going to happen. Well, four days ago, news comes out. According to Darren Dougie Wolfson. Dougie, want to know a little bit about that. But he spoke to someone in the know that Minnesota... <laughs> Who's in the know? Like, what? I love the these mood. quotes on Roto Baller. Darren, in the know. Okay. Uh, Minnesota Vikings running back Dalvin Cook may now consider playing on a reduced salary. So the possibility exists that Dalvin Cook will rework his deal, take some sort of a cut, because he's realizing that there isn't really another opportunity out there. Yeah, what? Who's who really wants running backs right now? Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette, they remain unsigned as it currently stands. So Dalvin Cook is thinking about taking a reduced salary and staying with the Minnesota Vikings. So Keegan Thompson, factor bullshit. Dalvin Cook is a Minnesota Viking in 2023. Uh, I, I think I'm going to lean with fact here. Um, I, I think the one option for him uh, in the offseason or like post the Super Bowl ending was was maybe Miami. I felt like that was a good fit. But after the drafting of Devon A-Chain, I just don't think that's a possibility. They re-signed the other two running backs. And I look around the rest of the league and I just don't really see where he could go and also command like a pay raise. Um, so I, I feel like he's just going to return to the Vikings this year and absolutely shatter all of our hopes of seeing Alexander Madison in a true RB one role, but who knows? Maybe we just put it off another year. As long as Madison doesn't have any tread on his tires, you know, like, or still has the tread on his tires. Actually, we can just keep saying this every year and every off season. Like, well, this is going to be the year, but I feel like for now cook is just going to be a Viking again. What do you think? Holler? Yeah, I'm on the same boat. It's just like it doesn't feel like there's a like a better spot that he's going to go where one he's going to make, you know, the most amount of money and two get the most amount of touches to compete on a competitive team. Like he has the clear RB1 role there. He wakes up and rushes for 1000 plus yards every season. You've got Justin Jefferson, now Jordan Madison to spread the field. Like, that's a very well-balanced offense, and he's kind of like a focal point of that offense as a running back, as he's been for years. So, again, probably takes a bit of a pay cut, probably somewhere below $10 million. I would assume he, they probably make him take almost about a 50% cut, if I had to guess. I'm guessing that number comes down to closer to, I don't know, the 6-8 to eight range. But I don't think he's going anywhere. Yeah, absolutely shattering our Madison shares that we've been drafting in best ball. And kind of, yeah, putting that plan on hold. I don't know the specifics of his contract, and I don't really understand the specifics of the Vikings, um, like what their situation is. Basically, if they have to re-sign, I think Justin Jefferson's holding out of OTAs right now because he wants that contract extension. I don't think he'd get paid this year. I don't really see why you wouldn't keep Dalvin Cook on in the running back room. I mean, they have Alexander Madison, Ty Chandler, our boy Dwayne McBride. It's pretty bottom tier running back room. Um, Dalvin Cook wasn't as good as he's been in years past. He actually was dead last in rushing yards over expectation, but he did have a bunch of explosive plays. You remember that big game he had against the Colts and that comeback? Like he he makes their offense better when he's on the field in at least some capacity. So yeah, I completely agree. I'm, I'm going fact, but if it comes out that like if they cut him and they can sign Justin Jefferson to a bigger deal or like whatever, I, I think that it might be bullshit, but I'm going to stay fact there. So we're there it is three for three. We completely agree. That passes First the consensus bullshit one. test. Go. That passes the bullshit test. 
or unless it comes out that he actually isn't that interested in a pay cut and it's a very little pay cut. If if they can make the money work, I don't see why you wouldn't keep him. Okay, this is another one here. This is the one I was referencing earlier about a, a quarterback uh, coming out in the press and saying, hey, I'm going to have a lot more passing yards. And that quarterback is Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson in front of the press said he expects to run less in 2023. His quote, run less and pass more in Todd Mockin's new offensive scheme. And if you take a look at it, it kind of makes sense. They have OBJ. They have Rashad Bateman returning. They drafted Zay Flowers. Hopefully we're getting a healthy season out of Mark Andrews. Nelson Aguilar, right? We can't forget about his big addition yes. to the offense. <clears throat> this has been an offense that typically has had a fullback, Patrick Card, running wheel routes, um, being featured in the past game. And it's made it pretty hard for Lamar Jackson to really break through. So, boys, I'm curious. Factor bullshit. Are the Ravens going to move away from being a run-first offense in 2023? I would say fact. Um, kind of just going a bit deeper. Like, when you look at Lamar's Jackson's, you know, like, career high in terms of passing yards, it's barely over 3,000 yards. So, in terms of, like, eclipsing that and really having a career year, like, the bar really isn't all that high. Um I know you already named the weapons he has there. And, like, again, it's not the most outstanding wide receiver room. But impressively enough, like, it is the best group of weapons he's had in his NFL career. So I think with the scheme shift and the guys next to him, barring any significant health issues, I think it's at least closer to a much more balanced attack. And Lamar Jackson should easily go for, you know, 3,500 plus, maybe even over 4,000 passing yards, in my opinion. Keegan. Yeah, I'd have to agree here. I think this is absolute fact. Um, and I do think he could even reach that 4,000 passing yard like Mark. Um, you guys have already said it. It's the best pass catching group he's had in his career. You also get a healthy Dobbins. Gus Edwards still there. You have some, you know, pretty interesting guys like Isaiah Likely in the lineup. Um, but with Todd Monken, you know, he has previous history that you can point to with these kinds of things. Um, in, two, in 2019, he was coaching Cleveland. And Baker Mayfield threw for 3,800 yards passing that year with 22 TDs. And OBJ had his fifth 1,000-yard uh, receiving season. And then 2016 through 2018 on the Bucks teams that he coaches, they ranked third in first downs per game, second in passing yards per game at about 280 a game, and first in third down percentage at like 44%. I mean, he has proven to be a much more pass-focused offense, but also a successful offensive driver for the teams he is coaching. Um Obviously, he's been with Georgia the past couple of years, and they have been great um, just offensively, being one of the best offensive teams kind of like in the SEC and just in the nation as well, too. So I think all signs point to wheels up for Lamar Jackson and him having a clear path to 4,000 passing yards this season. No problem. Like all the weapons we've mentioned, just throwing more in general. I mean, it's not going to take much for him to eclipse his highest passing total, but I think he might actually shatter that and say – almost a thousand more passing yards than his highest total ever, which would put him around like 4,100 yards on a season. You're firing me up. I was on the fact train and now like, I'm like ready to go. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to go right now. You dropped Todd Monken stats from 2019. It's all there. Baker dude. Mayfield threw for 3,800 yards. Oh my goodness. And Nick Chubb was in that offense and Nick Chubb balled out. So that's great news for JK Dobbins. Yeah, Huge. I love the idea of Lamar Jackson doing less designed runs and getting to scramble from the pocket when plays break down. We just saw Justin Fields 
like literally break the NFL as a scrambler. Shout out him. And I just want the idea of like Lamar taking less hits in the design run game, but still having the design run game elements while still running as a scrambler. I just think it makes him even more dangerous. So I'm I'm juiced. I'm I'm calling fact on this. I think Lamar's gonna have the best passing year of his career. And I think we see the Ravens actually have maybe finishing like the top half of pass rate, like neutral pass rate. I, I do think they're gonna throw the ball more. But we don't know. Maybe John Harbaugh is an established at donkey, and we just didn't know. And Greg Greg Roman had all the flack for being an established at donkey. Maybe John Harbaugh wants the team to run. So It'll be curious to see how that plays. Last out. last little tidbit from that last season in um, Tampa with the Buccaneers, their NFL, like in the NFL, they led in 320 yards passing a game. And listen to some of these numbers. Like they had a franchise record of 408 completions and 36 passing TDs that year under Monken. What is off the top of your head? What do you think the highest number of completions in a season is for um, Lamar? Like 230. It's 265. So. If you even give him 50 more than that, like 50 extra completions, a couple extra touchdowns here and there, well, you're looking at a massive upgrade in passing stats for Lamar. And in that season, Mike Evans had 1,500 receiving yards. Career high franchise record. So I think we're looking at an all-new Baltimore offense this year. Looks like we might be drafting some Ravens in best ball tonight. Okay, the next one here. Good news uh, here for Aiden Haller's dynasty shares. Seen practicing in OTAs, Tony Pollard. Uh, it looks like Tony Pollard's going to be healthy to start the year. So he's he's participating in a reduced capacity, it looks like. I, I've never seen these words put together before in my life. He's been able to take part in the team's reduced tempo organized team activity this <laughs> oh, week, God. according to head coach Mike McCarthy. Never seen that in my life. Yes, he suffered a fractured fibula. It looks like he had tightrope surgery on a high ankle sprain in his left leg. So ankle, leg, not a great injury for Tony Pollard, but it looks like he'll be ready to go for training camp and to start the season. You look at that running back room, there's no Ezekiel Elliott, right? I think we have, uh, oh my goodness, who's the backup running back on the Malik Cowboys? Davis. Five, oh, you get five bucks. I was going to say five bucks, whoever can name it off the top of your head. Keegan Thompson, by the way, is going to be going to therapy. It's actually a rule. If you know who Malik Davis is, you have to spend extended time in, in therapeutic uh, counseling. Okay, so Malik Davis and Tony Pollard and our, and our boy Deuce Vaughn. That's the running back room. So fact I think I'll Rojo, too. I think I'll Rojo. Don't, for, don't you dare forget USC's finest Rojo. Oh, oh my goodness. I forgot about Rojo. That is that is sacrilege. Okay, so yes, yeah, so their, their running back room is even sadder than I thought it was. So those are the four in the running back room. So I've got a question. Factor bullshit. The Cowboys will not add another running back to this room before the start of the season. I'll call bullshit. I think the Cowboys definitely add a free agent running back. I would likely think that it would be Leonard Fournette because if I think of who Zeke was last year in the past couple of years of his career, they kind of need somebody of that running style. I think Fournette fits the bill, but I I don't know out, outside of other options of that, but I just don't think that with McCarthy and the way he wants to run the offense with a more balanced and probably favorable rushing attack that they go into that new season with Malik Davis, RB2, and Deuce Vaughn there. So, Aiden, I know you – can you give it a, a biased – answer to this one can you do it yes so for the sake of my dynasty roster i'd like to say bullshit um when you look at the injury that tony Pollard suffered it 
it wasn't like a nasty break, something that was, you know, very out of the ordinary. Three-month recovery, Tottenham, like you said, already participating at a limited capacity. So do I think they're going to feature him extensively this upcoming year? Yes. But do I think they can afford to go into this next NFL season with those three running backs that we mentioned? No. So again, like, I think I can kind of have my cake and eat it too here. They're going to bring in someone else. But I think the path of Tony Pollard being a top 10 running back in fantasy this year is absolutely still on the table, and I'll be pounding that drum. Well, now that I just realized Ronald Jones is in. Oh, yeah, you're ta- you changing. He's now. a threat. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, that that really changes how I'm approaching. Uh, I don't even see him in the best ball drafts. Like, it doesn't even it doesn't even show up. Like, I don't even. His, does he even have a occurred. jersey? That's just, uh, one hour ago. No, it's just so you don't get distracted. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Okay, this is best shape of my life season. This is this is the stuff that gets us out of bed. According to Kansas City Chiefs beat writers, Clyde Edwards Elaire is impressing impressing at OTAs. So Kansas City Chiefs running back, CEH is in great shape this offseason, and head coach Andy Reid noticed he looks quick and strong during organized team activities. So sidelines. So boys, Isaiah Pacheco, he's injured. Jarek McKinnon, he's 31. CEH gets his fifth-year option declined, but he shows up. He's in shape. So factor bullshit. Clyde Edwards-Elaire will take command of the Chiefs' backfield and will be the RB1 during the season for this team. Holler, why don't you go first? I'm me? Yeah, why don't you go first, Holler? So, personally, I'm calling bullshit. Um, When you look at his three-year career in the NFL this year, like, there's just nothing to inspire me that like there's this sudden turnaround this offseason that is going to like make me or the Chiefs, you know, coaching staff and organization fall in love with him. Um, as you mentioned with Pacheco injured, like kind of just to like open up another point, like what's stopping the Chiefs from picking up a bargain bin running back and adding some more competition to that running back room? Like again, I just don't think Clyde has done anything in three years to really inspire me to go all in on him being this, you know, you know, RB1 certified dude in that running back room. And even if he is, like, the Chiefs typically don't, you know, produce fantasy relevant running backs that are like, you know, you know, real, you know, top tier guys, RB1, RB2s. So, you know, even if he is, how productive is that for my fantasy teams? Like, I'm not reaching on Clyde by any means. It's kind of something that if I get him below ADP, it's worth taking a swing as, you know, your RB4 or something, but I don't know. I'm not inspired by this. I just, I think we've been down this road in terms of trying to hype up Clyde and I'm not falling for it again. My, my fear with Clyde and my only hesitation with him is I don't know if he's good. I'm actually like certain he's not, he's not that good. Like I'm almost like really, he's like not that fast and he's, he's just not that strong and he's just not that good. That's my fear. But what if he is like, that's the thing with Clyde. It's just, it's kind of like this mystery box where it's like first round running back, Kansas city chiefs, Patrick Mahomes wanted to draft him. He's been hurt. You know, he had the appendicitis that sidelined him. And you know, if he scores a couple more touchdowns his rookie year, he has an amazing year. It's like, I, I think that like being 100% out on Clyde when he's basically free in drafts is kind of being closed minded, but it's probably bullshit. I, even though it's like lining up, he Pacheco is a seventh round rookie. Isaiah, Mc, I mean, uh, Jarek McKinnon is thirty one, and he's basically been hurt for half his career. Like 
if Clyde were any good, he could take over the starting role in this Exactly. Backfield. Like, this is set it, up really well for him, but I don't know. It should be a no-brainer, and the fact that it isn't is, like, it's just, it's concerning. Keegan, what do you think? I'm going to go the opposite, actually. I think because Isaiah Pacheco is, is a seventh-rounder, like, because Kansas City doesn't produce relevant RB1 fantasy, like, running back architects, right? Like, but that's exactly why there's a path for him to get back into the top spot and get into the good graces. I mean, sure, fifth-year option decline, that's not very encouraging for how the team views him right now and the plans of their future. But who's to say that he can't get back into the good graces of the coaching staff this year and be impactful like he was as a rookie? I mean, he had over 1,000 yards from scrimmage in between you know, receiving yards and his running yards in his rookie year. Like, there is a... 1000 yard player in there somewhere this is also one of the best offenses in the league with patrick mahomes so i think there is a path for him jared mckinnon 31 years old pacheco is a seventh rounder who has really good breakaway speed but is somewhat of a clumsy runner sometimes um he's not always the most efficient i think we're kind of blinded by pacheco because he was this darling seventh round pick who's had some really good games but He's not like the most perfectly efficient running back either. So I think, you know, like Sean was saying to not be taking swings on Clyde in like pick 180, 190 in a best ball draft is like, it feels like malpractice to ignore that a little bit. I, I feel like he could, he can win the job back. I would rather have Clyde at ADP than I'd say Pacheco. Easily, sure. easily. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. No, yeah. I agree with that. I'd, I'd from an ADP perspective. ADP. Another storyline coming out of the Chiefs camp today from ESPN reporter Jeremy Fowler. Hey, the Chiefs are interested in DeAndre Hopkins, but they're not necessarily willing to pay him a ton of money because they're really confident in Kadarius Toney potentially being their wide receiver one. Fact or bullshit? Do the Chiefs actually think Kadarius Toney could be their wide receiver one next season? This is bullshit. I think it's all about not like <laughs> absolute bullshit. I'm sorry. This is this is more about like driving market value down in their eyes for DeAndre Hopkins than it is about what they actually believe in Kadarius Toney. I am a Tony bro through and through. I love him. I think he's so fun to watch, but he's not a true wide receiver one. I don't know if he'll ever be. He can be a great wide receiver, too. I think if he actually stays healthy, there is a path there for him. But this is about we don't want to pay DeAndre Hopkins what the Baltimore Ravens paid OBJ. Like, we want you on a bargain, one-year deal. Let's go win a Super Bowl. This is not about we believe in Kadarius Tony. I'm absolute bullshit on it. First of all, MBS is wide receiver one right now, as it stands, on the Kansas City roster. So don't don't tell that to them. Because they're they're pumping that Tony stock this offseason. Yeah, they're also yeah. deflating yeah, Hopkins yeah. stock. Like, oh my god, exactly. Andy Reid and the Chiefs Nook, don't want to take a chance on Hopkins. What? We don't need to pay you ten mil, Nook. We we already have a wide receiver one in the building. <laughs> All good here. Canarius Tony, All we pay him good. two mil. He's on a rookie deal. I I agree. Tony's like Percy Harvin. Like he's a gadget guy. Best case scenario, you play him at running back, you play him at wide receiver, you punt returner. He's just awesome, unlocks your offense in really fun ways. But, like, come on, DeAndre Hopkins is an absolute stabilizer in an offense. Can beat man, can beat zone. Like, let's get real here. Agreed. Like, come on. Like, seriously. Yeah, this is a pretty easy smoke screen here. It's just it's just not happening. Keegan, like, they're just trying to drive down his value. All right, we're going to stay in the AFC. And uh, there's, there's a lot of uh, bullshit 
coming out of the AFC. So I think we'll stay in the AFC for a second before we jump to our last two in the NFC. A lot of excitement coming out of Jacksonville. You can see why. They had a huge come-from-behind win against the Chargers in the playoffs. They they hung in there against the Chiefs in Arrowhead. There's a lot of optimism with Trevor Lawrence in his second year, and they just added Calvin Ridley to this offense. And beat reporters got a look at Calvin Ridley, and they said this guy just moves different. And he's already separating himself in this Jaguars wide receiver room as the clear-cut wide receiver one. Pure OTA speculation where a beat reporter is watching someone run routes. <laughs> These are the same people that told us to draft Allen Robinson. So question for all of you. We all love Calvin Ridley. We respect Calvin Ridley's game. We know this dude is going to be good at some point next season. But fact or bullshit, Calvin Ridley is the wide receiver one in this offense to start the season. I'm going to go with bullshit. Um, I think just from a Russ perspective, like it's going to take him a bit to get back up to speed in the NFL. Like obviously it's much different positions, but look at Deshaun Watson. Like you don't just step away from the NFL and go back on a football field and, you know, regain that same type of form. And again, totally different positions, much more processing from the quarterback position. But then you look at Christian Kirk, too, a guy that just went for over 1,100 yards, almost 10 touchdowns. Like, that was uber productive there. You know, I think they step in are gonna and they're going to complement each other really nice. And would I say, like, clear-cut wide receiver one? Probably not. Like, if you finish wide receiver one on that offense, no one's going to be surprised. But I think... There's so many other people in that offense, especially Christian Kirk and others that are going to get targets and that have already been productive with Trevor Lawrence in there to where I think it's just crazy to assume that, you know, like Kevin really was a, like a top 10 fantasy wide receiver at one point. Like I to assume that that's going to happen right away, I think is really wishful thinking. So just for that reason, I'm calling bullshit. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of on the same wave there. Um, just. For all the things Aiden said, a wide receiver is such a technical position. Like, I find it hard to believe taking that long of a break, he's going to have his feet ready, his routes are going to be super crisp. And and the other thing is, Jacksonville has the benefit of, like, a very balanced attack here. They've got ETN. They have Christian Kirk. They have Zay Jones. Evan Ingram looks like he's back on the rise again. They've got a fantastic young quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. Like, there's no pressure like, this isn't Deshaun Watson where it's like, okay, you're not suspended anymore. Like, you're starting because we invested so much money in you and draft capital. Like, Calvin Ridley kind of got on a bargain. I think we'll look back like, wow, that was a great play by Jacksonville. But because of that, they don't need to force him into wide receiver one duties. Like, they don't need to bank on him for helping Trevor Lawrence's production in this next year of his, like, young career. They have such a well-rounded group of talent that – I don't think more out of situation, Calvin Ridley doesn't have to be the wide receiver one. Will he be on a points per game average, their wide receiver one at the end of the season? Potentially, there's a very good possibility of that. But will he need to be the immediate game changer that he once was in Atlanta? Probably not. I think what's really f solid about this argument, Keegan, I think you touched on it a little bit. Calvin Ridley's probably going to be the wide receiver one for defensive coordinators, but for fantasy football managers... I think Christian Kirk is going to start off with where he left off with Trevor Lawrence, which is being incredibly productive for fantasy. Yeah, my 70% ownership of Christian of Kirk would tell curve. me that too. No bias. <laughs> no, 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 no bias. Another thing that's come out of um, Jacksonville training camp is it turns out Doug Peterson all offseason said, hey, you know, we got to mix in more running backs into that room. We, we can't ride ETN like we rode ETN. We, we want to keep him fresher. We're going to draft a running back. Turns out, they draft a running back in the third round, 
And now everyone's realizing that there could be more of a committee uh, in Jacksonville. See how that works when you, when you take a running back in the third round. So a lot of people are talking about Travis Etienne, and a lot of people are saying some pretty crazy shit about Travis Etienne. So my question for you two gentlemen, factor bullshit, Tank Bigsby is going to make this more of a committee than people are willing to admit in Jacksonville. Brother, I'm going bullshit. I'm going bullshit. I'll let you go first. Yeah, I'm going bullshit. Yeah, I'll keep it brief, Sean, because I know you feel very strong about this. Um, I think last year, the expectations, first of all, for Travis Etienne were a bit unfair. Um, Coming off that Liz Frank injury, I think people were just expecting a bit too much out of him. And what you look at what he still accomplished last year, especially down the stretch as Jacksonville really found their groove, he was insanely productive, both from a rushing perspective and pass catcher. So, again, I think like a best case scenario for Tank Spigsby would be like, a 70-30 split, you know? Um, and again, I think that's best case scenario. Like, they have very similar skill sets, but I just think ETN is just an all-around better running back. So I'll kind of leave it at that. I'd love to hear what you guys think, um, especially you, Sean, as you are a big ETN guy. So when you draft at the 10th, 11th, and 12th position in best ball, you really have no choice but to become an ETN stand <laughs> because he's just who you take in the third round. So I take a lot of Travis Etienne, and, and you look into some of his numbers, right? And and Travis Etienne last season was number one in rushing yards over ex, over expectation. He was number one in rushing yards over expectation. That's that's pretty damn good. He was fourth in missed tackles force. He was tenth in runs of ten plus yards or more. He was fourth in runs over fifteen plus yards or more, and he was eighth in total first downs. Pretty good for a running back that was basically in his rookie season who spent the entire offseason recovering from a broken foot. We'd, we'd all acknowledge that, right? Like, pretty good stats. Yep. The dude had similar rookie production to Nick Chubb and Jonathan Taylor. Like, those are really similar seasons to rookie Nick Chubb and rookie Jonathan Taylor. And the fantasy football community is trying to shit on that season because he didn't have a 1.2 yards per route run. Because he didn't catch 60 balls. Because he wasn't in the DeAndre Swift role that people thought he would be in. Well, guess what? Travis Etienne isn't like DeAndre Swift. He's actually good. And his coaching staff wants to play him and wants to feature him. This guy is downright explosive. And he's a difference maker. And if you're telling me that Tank Bigsby's going to come in and maybe eat into some of his touchdown production, is going to maybe get more first downs is going to help grind through some downs, maybe catch some passes. I think I'm cool with that. I wouldn't admit that Travis Etienne at his size is someone who's going to command an 80-85% work, workload. And guess what? You're not drafting him to have an 80% workload share. You're getting him in the third or fourth round. Mm-hmm. Like, Etienne is a difference maker. He's a year removed from his list Frank, list Frank injury. He's explosive as all hell. And this offense is going to be awesome. Like, truly awesome. Give me all the ETN. I'm calling absolute bullshit. This dude is going to have a monster season next year. I even saw someone on Twitter say he will never be a top 12 PPR finisher or half PPR finisher. Call him bullshit. He was already 17 last year. I don't think that was the ceiling for Travis ETN. That's what I'm saying. I'm not passionate about it. I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not. Uh, yeah. I haven't thought I'd about go it. As Tank Bigsby has like big, like he's got Dearness Johnson and Jermichael Hasty that he's like, fighting for secondary touches with like the fact that he's just going to cut into Travis Etienne. Like I think he's got bigger problems too with guys, you he's know, gonna be I'm Curtis Johnson the NFL level. 
It's like there is, he's close. He's so much closer to them than he is Travis Etienne. It's like, I completely agree with you, Sean. I'm all in on this as someone who has keeper value in Travis Etienne. I am doing cartwheels that I'm getting him the seventh round of a PPR redraft this year. I, I, I don't even know where to start. I'm literally with ETN, and we, we'll go on to the next one. It's not like this is Roshan Johnson versus Khalil Herbert, okay? This is a first-round running back. I don't care if the previous administration fucking drafted him, okay? This is a guy who went in the first round, as clear rapport with your star running back, who is really fucking good, okay? And we all love Khalil Herbert, but it would make a lot of sense for people like, hey, Roshan Johnson's coming for his job. That makes sense. Like, you think they're just going to phase ETN and everything he brings into the game out? I'm not buying it. I'm really Fuck. not buying it. No. All right. Broncos training camp. Um, Russell Wilson said he's coming into this season leaner and meaner. Of course, uh, the more things change, the more they say the same. Russ has got a new head coach, and he's still the corniest dude on the planet, leaner and meaner. You got to love Russell Wilson. But it looks like he has lost some weight, and it looks like he has a lot to prove in his first year with Sean Payton as head coach. So, gentlemen, factor bullshit. Sean Payton in this new look Denver Broncos offense will allow Russell Wilson to revitalize his career. I'm gonna go fact, but on a like not all the way completely fact. I think to return to his old self, um, you know, we're talking about a multi pro bowler, like almost all pro caliber type quarterback. I don't know if he can go back to that completely in one season, but his bar for performance is so low like i would have been a disaster statistics wise if he didn't have those last like four weeks where he was like helping people win fantasy matchups as like a crazy waiver we're talking about russell wilson waiver wire pickup quarterback last year the bar for him is below my table so will he play better on a sean payton yes will he be back to his old self i'm not entirely sure but this is also a tryout for Russ. I mean, Sean Payton is taking over this team for the future. He is taking over this team, not for one year. Like he is coming out of kind of his coaching sabbatical to take the Denver Broncos back to relevancy. And if Russ doesn't pan out, like Russ isn't part of the Sean Payton plan. Like this is Sean Payton's team. Now this is not Russ Wilson's team. No. So if he wants to continue to play at a high level, play with a good coach, he has to, Kind of like, like I said, he has to try out this year. Like, this is a one-year go trial period for Russell Wilson. So I do think he will take it a bit more serious this year. Not that he wasn't last year, but you know what I mean. Like, everything is going to have that little extra bit of detail that I know Russ has had in his past. And he is a really good quarterback when it comes down to it. Like, he did have an awful season, and he's kind of a corny guy. But we forget just how electric he is when he's on his game, you know? Yes. Yes, and that's going to make a hell of a TikTok, Keegan. Let's go. Cut it up. Short-form content. Um, Keegan, I totally agree with you. They brought in a bunch of offensive linemen, brought in Samaj P. Ryan. I think they're going to run like kind of an established offense. They're going to run the ball. They're going to take deep shots. They just brought in Marvin Mims. They picked up Jerry Judy's fifth year. They have Greg Dulcich. They have the corpse of Cortland Sutton still out there running routes. You still got to respect him. He actually might be pretty good next year. Probably not, but you never know. Like, they have guys. Like, they have all-world right tackle Mike McGlinchey. I mean, that guy, what a difference maker. Um, they, they got – no, but seriously, he's an upgrade. He's fine. So, like, they made some additions that, that are, I think, going to insulate and protect Russ from himself. 
and Sean Payton's a good, you know, play caller. So I think I'm calling fact. I think Russ is going to be good next season. I don't know if he's going to be great, but I think he's going to be good. But that Aiden, this leads me to my next fact of bullshit. We mentioned that he's going to have a kind of an established run first offense. Well, Javante Williams has been limited in OTAs. He's there. People are saying he might be ready for training camp, according to Sean Payton. So Aiden, fact or bullshit, Javante Williams is going to start the season and play every game this year for the Denver Broncos. I think that's bullshit. Um, that knee injury was nasty. It was what it was. It was like every it was major all the three L's. He got all the had, L's. It was all the CLPs. CL, like just a brutal injury. Um, again, keep saying it's possible. It's possible, but like, like you just heard Sean Payton talking about it just a couple weeks ago. Like they're very high on Smaje P Ryan. Like they brought him in and expect him to carry a heavy workload early on. Like you look at him when he had stepped in for Joe Mixon. He's been productive as a starting running back in the NFL. And I think they brought him in for that reason, especially as Javante is getting ramped up. Like, that's a serious knee injury. Like, it takes a while to get back to your old form. And, like, what is his old form? Like, you know, he never, you know, there was always kind of like the hype train on Javante Williams. But, like, he's never been this bona fide stud running back in the NFL. So, like, who's to say Samanje Piran, you know, halfway through the season or so is not, like, they're just RB1 going forward, splitting touches with Javante. I don't know. That knee injury is serious, and I don't think there's enough tape for me to say. who. Like, who's to say that Javante Williams doesn't lose that RB1 job entirely to Samaje Piran, who's already proved it, I think, at a much that higher level crazy. than Javante Williams. That is a crazy take to think that Javante will lose his RB1 status. Once he's healthy, he'll be in that offense, but I don't know if he'll start the season. Also... No. Also, shout out I to haven't Maji seen P. that. Hendricks yeah. High School legend. I watched him tat us up for like 250 yards in high school. He played against McNeil, and it was like <laughs> his lowest rushing total of the season. He was an absolute fucking man in high school. Big P Ryan guy. Samaj what do you P. guys? Do, We're at do the you think Samaj P Ryan moment in the podcast? I, I dude, I like P Ryan. I do. No, I do. not we really Javante, but week he, one, Javante's I a good so. fucking running back, man. It's, let's let's not. Let's not have a revisionist history here. We're, we're having short-term memory. I think loss. so. Like, let's not forget that Javante is very, very talented. No, Javante's so. really good at forcing tackles, but it's like the Kenneth Walker thing. Like, are you actually good at moving the chains? Like, are you doing the thing that wins football games? Are you doing the thing that gets us really excited to talk about this you? This is a fantasy podcast. Fantasy. I, but no, to be fair... <laughs> You're right. I will say this about Javante. I will say this about and Javante. <laughs> not a dynasty his, owner. Not a dynasty his owner. His receiving production was through. Javante Williams' receiving production with Russ was through the fucking roof before he got hurt. We all know what Sean Payton likes to do with running backs that, that catch the ball. Very, very attractive uh, fantasy asset if he is healthy. I just don't think he is, and, and that's why I think Samaj P. Ryan's a great buy right now. So I'm calling bullshit. I don't think he's ready to start the season. If I'm really going in on Javante, I'm probably waiting to 2024. Like, I'll be grabbing shares from this year, but it's kind of like I need to, I need him to fully recover before I'm all in, and I think this year is going to be a bit of a roller coaster ride. So, you know, we'll see how this goes. But the 2024 campaign, that's when I'll really beat the drum on this one. All right, quick hitters before we get out of here. Real quick before we do uh, get to best ball draft. So let's do it. Let's get a clock going. I don't even know how they do it in the sports shows, like 30 seconds. Okay. <clears throat> Rapid fire. I'm not even a talk. Well, I might talk about one of them. Rapid fire. I wonder which one. 
Daniel Jones, super impressed with Darren Waller. I guess he's saying that what he can bring to the offense is really special. Vice versa, Darren Waller's feeling the love too. He said, here with the Giants, they actually listen to what you're saying. They, they look for your input. So I guess factor bullshit, Darren Waller goes off this year for the New York Giants right. and really transforms this offense. Fact. I think that's an easy fact. Like, the talent's never been an issue with Darren Waller. It's just a matter of health. If Darren Waller plays, you know, at least two-thirds, 75% of the game, Daniel Jones has never had a target like that. So easy fact for me. It's just barring health for him. Video has come out of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers OTAs, and um, it's not pretty. It's not pretty. It's like it's like That's watching uh, like my strange addiction. You just can't you can't look away. And uh, it looks like Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask have been throwing in some really windy conditions. I have no idea if winds are gusting, but the two quarterbacks are not accurate. Not accurate at all. It was like a highlight mixtape of guys just missing. Uh, wide open wide receivers running uh, routes against air. So factor bullshit. The Tampa Bay quarterbacks QB situation will be so bad that Chris Godwin and Mike Evans will not be fantasy relevant in 2023. I'm going to say bullshit. Um, Chris Godwin has a path to PPR fantasy relevancy and maybe some half PPR stuff. He'll need to get in the end zone for half PPR, but you're still talking about a guy that plays short an intermediate game. Like Baker can do that. Right. Like Baker can support at least one wide receiver, like a Godwin type. That's kind of like a quarterback's best friend. And I'm going to say fact on Mike Evans that he will have a fantasy relevant season under the contingency that he is not a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. <laughs> so assumption he's he's not a Buccaneer somehow, oh, some way. But I don't know. I have doubts about Mike Evans and Baker Mayfield's deep ball accuracy, but there's also a chance where Mike Evans is fantasy relevant when we get to redraft time because his value will be shot in the foot and you'll be getting a bargain on him where he's not like your wide receiver two that you're drafting. Maybe you're picking him up as like your wide receiver four or five, and then he's still fantasy relevant based off ADP. Yeah, I'd say his his streak of 1,000-plus receiving yards to start his career is is on life support. Um, it is it is in serious danger. To your point with Chris Godwin, if I had to pick one of these two, to you know, potentially be like a top 20 wide receiver in fantasy, it for sure be Chris Godwin. Um, given where, like his route tree where he plays on the field, I think it's a much safer floor. Whereas, you know, maybe Mike Evans does figure it out and, you know, Noodle Arm Baker is able to get it to him. But like, you know, Mike Evans is very, you know, pop big play dependent more outside the numbers whereas you know i think godwin's a lot safer here you know it's bad when i'm texting things like i just hope carson wentz finds his way onto the bucks like those are real texts that i'm sending that's how bad their quarterback situation is a lot of people are saying they're this year's Lockett and metcalf the only issue is geno smith's actually pretty good um that that's a big issue yeah, that's a that's big issue. Yeah. <laughs> All right, our last one before we get out of here. Tomorrow, or today, actually, when you're listening to this, it looks like Brock Purdy's going to start throwing. Um, and it looks like he is on track to be ready at, like, at week one or right before week one. So fact or bullshit, Brock Purdy starts for the 49ers week one of the 2023 season. Bullshit. It, it is such a tight timeline that they're trying to thread right now. Like, it would pretty much have to be, like, you know, right on track with every step of the way in terms of, you know, him getting on the field, throwing consistently. Like, any type of setback, 
there's no fucking chance. And if they're as high on them as, you know, we think they are, like, why risk that with your young potential franchise quarterback? Throw him on the pup, let him get healthy, let Sam Darnold or Trey Lance get beat up, and then bring in Brock Purdy. That's honestly the best argument that I've heard from anyone, Aiden. Like, I, no joke. This idea that if they love Brock Purdy so much, why would they rush him and risk hurting him? Like yeah. that—that that actually is a really interesting. It idea. makes no sense. I've yeah. heard, and the Niners no schedule, say that. like that we've talked about, is a bit of a cakewalk. Like you could put him on the pup, and he probably comes off. The Niners are three and one, and you've got your healthy <laughs> franchise quarterback. So. And all language from like San Francisco brass, like in the offseason has been like we like Brock like it is kind of Brock's job to lose and like exactly what Aiden's saying like if you believe in him like you want to protect him that's why they brought in Sam Darnold so they didn't end up with a situation like in the playoffs when you're down to Josh Johnson you know they brought in like somebody who has been in the league that can be this kind of safety like net for them until Brock is ready and I don't even know what to think about Trey Lance but everything I've heard from San Francisco Brock is the guy I don't think he starts no way a good take i honestly hadn't heard that um i don't think he's gonna be ready to go it would be pretty wild like honestly dude dude would be kind of a legend if he was ready to go yeah <laughs> you gotta t- the legend would of brock purdy would he spends like paul bunyan if he's ready to go yeah. okay that that will do it um thank you everybody for tuning in ota season's the best we'll have more content coming your way we're going to talk dynasty we haven't done an updated dynasty rank rookie rankings yet going to be a lot of fun we're going to talk about some of our dynasty targets some of our dynasty cells it's going to be a great time as we gear up for the 2023 season thank you again for tuning in and making rtm what it is if you're still listening go ahead hug a loved one touch some grass we will be here as we march closer to kickoff september 2023 we're at the half point half point of the nfl offseason i think there's a hundred days oh Music to my ears, key. Yeah. And to make it sound I'm better, so I think excited. there's only oh, with that. I, I had 16 be... Sundays in, until I get to hear Scott Hansen's voice. I am, I am beyond excited. I love that. All right, boys. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>